You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. The offering of Isaac on Mount Moriah, figuratively speaking, Abraham receiving Isaac back from the dead, it's Christ. Here again, Genesis 37 to 50, Joseph. But we'll find out that Joseph is a type of Christ. All through the Old Testament, you're going to see repeatedly Christ. Because Jesus said in the volume of the book, it's written of me. In the Gospel of John, Jesus is recorded telling the religious leaders that it's not the Scriptures that give them eternal life, but He who the Scriptures speak of. They speak, of course, of none other than Jesus. But do you know where to find Jesus in the Old Testament? In today's message, Pastor Danny will help you discover how the life of Joseph points us to our Messiah. In his study, you'll learn how the life of Joseph speaks to the suffering servant aspect of Christ, who suffered for us despite having done nothing wrong. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Genesis, chapter 37, as he begins his message, Lessons from the Life of Joseph. Genesis chapter 37. Very interesting how it starts out. Verse 1, Jacob uh, lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. And then it says right after that, Joseph. Joseph. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flock with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. The account of Jacob, but Joseph is the one mentioned. And from here to the end of the book of Genesis, chapter 50, the key figure is Joseph, not Jacob. Jacob is Israel. Jacob is the father of the 12 patriarchs. And through this whole story of the father and the sons that he had that make up the nation of Israel, and from Israel would come this one through whom all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Joseph is a type of Jesus Christ. This one that would come through the lineage of Abraham and through the people of Israel. You found him in Abraham and Isaac, the offering of Isaac on Mount Moriah. Figuratively speaking, Abraham receiving Isaac back from the dead. It's Christ. Here again, Genesis 37 to 50, Joseph. But we'll find out that Joseph is a type of Christ. All through the Old Testament, you're going to see repeatedly Christ. 
Because Jesus said, in the volume of the book, it's written of me. And so this is the account of Jacob, but Joseph is the key figure. He's 17 years old, tending the flocks with his brothers, and he brings their father a bad report. He rats on his brothers. One of the ways you see Joseph as a type of Christ is Jesus comes and he reveals the hearts of his brothers, and they didn't like that. So he rats on his brothers. Now, Israel, Jacob, verse 3, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him, could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field. When suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, and they understood the meaning of the dream. Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Now, Joseph is 17. His brain is not yet fully developed because he has another dream. Verse 9, he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. Now, they understood what that meant. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him because he knows what it means too. What is this dream you had? Well, your mother and I, the sun, the moon, and your brothers, the 11 stars, actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. In other words, he thought about this. What's going on here? There are more chapters devoted to the life of Joseph than to Abraham or to Isaac. Fascinating. There's no one in the Scriptures who is more like Christ in his person and in his experiences in life than Joseph. The dreams he had, of course, were prophetic of his future. He would one day be exalted beyond his wildest dreams. His family would bow down to him. But what God didn't tell him is between the dreams and the fulfillment of them, prophetically, life would be challenging. And that's putting it mildly. If I was writing on the board or putting it on a PowerPoint, I'd give you a couple more scriptures. One would be Genesis chapter 42, verse 21. We're going to summarize through that before we're done tonight. But there, his brothers talk about how when they would sell him to these Midianite merchants, how Joseph would plead 
for his life. I would give you Psalm 105, verse 18, where it talks about Joseph, whom God sent ahead in his prophetic plan. And it says, they bruised his feet with shackles, and his neck was put in irons. He has the dreams. He tells it to his brothers. He tells it to mom and dad. They hate him all the more. Dad's going, what is happening here? What's going on with my son? And then the rest of the chapter, dad sends Joseph to check on the brothers. They're out tending the flocks. And when they see him coming, they say, here comes that dreamer. They plan to kill him. But one of them says, let's don't kill him. Let's just throw him into this empty cistern, a cistern where normally water would be, but it's dry. They throw him in. Reuben, the oldest brother, plans on coming back to rescue him, but when he goes back, Joseph is gone because Judah had suggested, why don't we get something out of him? They see these Midianite merchants coming down, headed toward Egypt, and so he says, let's sell the dude. The other brothers agree, and so they sell him for 20 shekels of silver. He ends up down in Egypt, owned by a man named Potiphar. Chapter 37, verse 36. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Now, hang with me. Pay attention. Because right after it says that, then there's chapter 38. If you've been reading along with us, you might have read chapter 38 going, why is chapter 38 where chapter 38 is? You'd think it'd be somewhere else in the story because it's the story of Joseph, and now chapter 38 is devoted to Judah and Judah's awful sinfulness. Judah, of course, the tribe from which Messiah comes, and if you've ever checked out the human genealogy of the Messiah, Matthew chapter 1, for example, is a place you can go and look at it, and in Jesus' family history, his descendants, humanly speaking, they're a bunch of dirty, rotten sinners, like Judah. On the surface, it seems like chapter 38 is out of place, but it's not out of place at all. Because while Joseph is sold as a slave, becomes a slave down in Egypt, he's suffering while Judah is sinning, and sinning greatly. And Joseph is suffering for Judah's sake. Joseph is suffering for his brother's sake. And as we'll find out, Joseph is suffering for the sake of the whole world. Chapter 39, Joseph, verse 1, had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Don't miss verse 2. I just want to read the first part of it. I've underlined it. It's very important. The Lord was with Joseph. But let me suggest something. Joseph didn't feel like the Lord was with him. He's been brutally treated, rejected, 
suffering innocently, far from home now. Don't forget, the guy's only 17 years old. The Lord was with Joseph, even though he didn't feel like it. God blesses him. The middle of verse 6 tells us, now Joseph was a hunk. It says he was well built and handsome. And after a while, verse 7, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Now, you got to pause, especially if you're a guy, and think about this. You've been rejected. You've been brutally treated. You've done nothing wrong except your brain wasn't fully developed, and you should have not told your brothers about the second dream because of the way they responded to the first dream. They sell you into slavery. You're down in Egypt. You're 17 years old, and here... Your boss's wife is offering herself to you. How many guys would survive this temptation? He refused. Verse 8, with me in charge, he said, My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he's entrusted to my care. No one's greater than in the house than I am. My master's withheld nothing from me except you, because you're his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. But this woman, she's probably not used to people saying no to her. And one day, she's in the palace or in the house. None of the servants are there. She once again tries to seduce Joseph. He once again resists, and she grabs him and physically begins to pull him. And he does the only thing the Bible tells us to do to escape sexual temptation. (laughs) Here's what it says. Flee sexual immorality. And that's literally what he does. He runs, and he leaves part of his garment in her hands. And then she calls the servants in, has the garment. She says, that slave, he tried to rape me and I screamed and he ran out, but I have his garment here. Her husband gets home, tells him the same thing. Of course, he believes her. And then Joseph, Joseph, gets thrown in prison for doing the right thing, for resisting temptation. But I want you to note, chapter 39, first of all, verse 20. The middle of verse 20, while Joseph was there in prison, ah, 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 (laughs) the Lord was with him. But I'm going to suggest again, he didn't feel like the Lord was with him. Again in verse 23, right in the middle, the Lord was with Joseph. Man, if God's writing a record of your life, that's what you want to see. You want to see that along the way that he says the Lord was with Danny. Well, chapter 40 opens up. Joseph's in prison. 
Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt defended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer, the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. Verse 4, chapter 40, the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night. Each dream had a meaning of its own. And when Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him, why are your faces so sad today? They said, we both had dreams, but there's no one to interpret them. We don't know what they mean. So Joseph says to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said, in my dream, I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches, and as soon as it budded, it blossomed, its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. Verse 12, Joseph said, this is what it means. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh's going to lift your head, restore you to your position, and you'll put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me. Show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of the prison. For I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I've done nothing to deserve being put here in this dungeon. Well, verse 16, when the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Joseph said, this is what it means. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and hang you on a tree. What? (laughs) And the birds will eat away your flesh. Now the guy's wishing he hadn't told him the dream. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday. He gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. Let me pause just to say, I was... Really, a bad bunch of bread that dude baked (laughs) for him to hang him. Don't miss verse 23 of chapter 40. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. And for two years, that's the opening of chapter 41. For two years, Joseph sits in the prison. What hope did he have in life? Did he think about the dreams God had given him? No question. Was he challenged? I have no doubt. He's human just like you and me. But after two years had passed, and now we summarize a bit of chapter 41, Pharaoh has a dream. Standing by the Nile, Out of the Nile comes up these seven cows, sleek and fat. And then these seven scrawny cows come up. And the seven scrawny cows eat the seven fat cows. He fell asleep again. He has a second dream. 
This time he sees seven heads of grain, healthy and good, and they were growing on a single stalk. And then seven other heads of grain sprouted, and they were thin, and they were scorched by the east wind. And the thin heads of the grain swallowed up the healthy, full heads. And then he woke up again. And he tells his officials, I had these dreams, and it's really bothering me. I'd like to know what they mean. Well, the chief cupbearer hears about it, and he says to Pharaoh, now I'm reminded of my shortcomings. You know, when you put me in prison, there was a dude there, a Hebrew, and I had a dream, and, and, and the, the chief baker had a dream, and we, we told him our dreams, and he said, here's what it means, and it happened exactly like he said it would, and you hanged it. Chief Baker, but you gave me my job back. He says, who is this guy? Well, it's Joseph. And so Pharaoh sends for Joseph. And he says, I hear you can interpret dreams. He says, I, I can't do it, but God knows all things. He can, he can do it. And so Pharaoh tells Joseph his dreams. And God tells Joseph what the dreams mean. He says the seven cows that are fat and the seven heads of grain that are full, that's seven years of plenty. And there's coming on the world seven years of plenty. But after the seven years of plenty, those seven gaunt, scrawny cows and the seven thin, scorched grains, that's seven years of famine. And then he says, here's my advice, O Pharaoh. Here's what you ought to do. You ought to look in your kingdom and find a wise, discerning man. And when you find that wise, discerning man, you ought to put him in charge. And so for the next seven years, you prepare for this famine that's coming so that Egypt will be prepared. Find you a wise and discerning man and help him prepare. Pharaoh... And Joseph, I know he's not thinking this at all, but Pharaoh says to Joseph, verse 39, chapter 41, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God's made all this known to you, there's no one so discerning and wise as you. You're the guy. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will you be greater than me. Does anybody else get Jesus bumps when you read that? I mean, I do. And I'm teaching it. You talk about a type of Christ, the Father, and Jesus, second in command, if you will, technically speaking, equal with the Father, and yet he submitted to the Father's will. And here Joseph, overnight, goes from the prison to the palace. And he's in charge. And so for seven years, he goes throughout the land and he has them take the, the, the grain and store it for seven years so that when the famine hits, man, Egypt is just stocked up. They're prepared. And I want you to see chapter 41, verse 57. And all the countries came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe I underline these words, in all the world. 
Thanks for joining us today on The Living Word. Pastor Danny's study, Gleanings from the Old Testament, will continue next time, so be sure to tune in again. Through this study, you'll meet a variety of characters, some strong in their faith and others not, some who seem to have a massive role in society and others who only have a minor part to play. Each person and each situation have a valuable lesson for you, though, and it's worth your time and attention. You can and should learn from their triumphs as well as their failures, and you can take comfort in the one that they all served, your Creator, God Himself. You also have the privilege of seeing the future that they had yet to know. You have the rest of Scripture to dig into as well. Today, we encourage you to read again the passage that Pastor Danny taught on, or turn to another part of the Bible. You won't be disappointed, and God has plenty to tell you on every page of Scripture. It truly is the living Word. If you'd like to explore more of Pastor Danny's messages from this series or others, we encourage you to visit our website, ccfstpete.church. Just click on Sermons to be directed to our YouTube page, and we'd love for you to subscribe. When you do, you'll be notified by email every time we post a new message. That website one more time is ccfstpete.church. That's all we have time for for today. We'll continue walking through the Old Testament next time, right here on The Living Word.